and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text is the Gospel from Luke. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, did you hear what the text said? This man receives sinners and eats with them. Yes, indeed. This is the Lord's MO. It's his cup of tea. He is the Savior of, wait for it, sinners. Now, for sinners, this is the best news that you could ever hear. Those of you that know you're a sinner and your sin relish every opportunity to have Jesus receive you as a sinner in the divine service in order to bestow his Good Friday forgiveness to you. But if you don't believe you're a sinner and that everybody else is, then this Savior of sinners, Jesus, makes you grumble and you can just as well live without him not only every Sunday but forever. And that's when Jesus goes into full-blown parable mode to illustrate his savoring work to save sinners. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and you know the third parable, don't you? It wasn't in the text today. Two lost sons. I had to mention that. Now, if you've got ears to hear, listen. First, a flock of 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. Now what? Jesus asks, what will the shepherd do? Will he abandon the 99 in order to find one? Will he? Really? Is that any way to run a sheep ranching operation? Turn your back on 99 sensible, responsible sheep to find the one lone loser? He does. Now, if you're not smelling what Jesus is cooking with the lost sheep parable, he rips off another one. It's about money. Now we're talking, Jesus. We don't know a lot about sheep, but we all know about money. And the second parable goes like this. You've got 10 coins, each worth about a day's wage. So you've got 10 days of wages. And you go to your coin purse or your kitchen cabinet or your bedroom drawer, or wherever you keep those coins, and you expect to find how many? 10. And lo and behold, one is missing, misplaced, like it grew legs and wandered off somewhere like a, like a lost sheep. Now what? Take a day or two off of work without pay in order to tear the house apart, in order to find the one lost coin? That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Lose a couple of days' wages in the hopes of finding one day's wage? Risk 99 sheep to go after one lost sheep? What would you do? I know what I would do. I'd write off that lost sheep, and I'd write off the lost coin as dead assets. Grieve the loss, move on. Because a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, as they say. Because you know, straying sheep, they, can, they tend to keep straying, don't they? They pretty much get what they deserve. And lost coins, well, they'll, they'll turn up Sunday, won't they? Yeah, sure. But Jesus doesn't act like that. If the good shepherd had not considered one lost sheep, namely you, worth laying down his life for, 
you or none of us would be saved. We'd be lost forever in a hellish maze of sin and death. We'd be as hellaciously dead as a solitary lost sheep in the wilderness or a missing lost coin underneath the cushions of the couch. And that's the point of the parable. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul in the epistle said that he was the worst. Paul, the worst? Really? Well, how about Nero? And what about all those immoral pagans who participated in orgies, who were notorious for abortion and infanticide? Paul, the worst? Oh, sure, we'll grant that Paul did some naughty things in his past, and he listed them in the epistle. He persecuted Christians and gave his approval to Stephen's murder by stoning. But Paul, in the epistle, admitted that he didn't know what he was doing. He says, I acted ignorantly in unbelief. He thought he was doing God a favor when he did those things. And did you notice that Paul didn't say, Christ came to save sinners like I used to be? No, he says, of whom I am the foremost. This is incredible. Now, brothers and sisters, if Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the foremost of sinners, what does that make up? With our numerous idolatries, our nonchalant but expert-like misuses of God's name, our apathy and boredom with God's word, or our hidden or not-so-hidden immoralities. Do you think you are one of the 99 righteous persons who does not need to be repented and faith by the Lord? You'd better think again. The good shepherd's attention is on who? The lost sheep, not the found. The woman's attention is on the lost coin, not the nine safely in her purse. Don't forget that Jesus is in full parable mode within earshot of who? The Pharisees and the Bible teachers who were offended. This man receives sinners and he eats with them. Oh! You remember that in the ancient world, with whom you ate said everything about you. The Pharisees and the Bible teachers were very careful about the company they kept. They did not hang around with who? Sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the low lives of every sort. Is this the way a Messiah is to act? Is this the way to run a kingdom of God? What kind of Messiah does this Jesus think he is? He receives the scum of the earth and he eats with them. <coughs> These religious, pretend non-sinners are outraged. They're offended. They're scandalized. And so, consequently, what do they do? They purposely exclude and excuse themselves from the Lord's table of forgiveness, life, and salvation. In their indignation, in their I'm better than everybody else, or I'm the exception to the rule, they refuse to eat with Jesus because they don't like the company that he keeps. By the way, that's precisely what hell will be like. Hell is for the righteous, the pretend non-sinners, who have no need to be repented and to be given our Lord's merciful forgiveness. There's no rejoicing in heaven over them. There will only be sadness. 
What an absolute hellacious tragedy. All they needed to do was drop dead to their religious righteousness, tell the truth that they too were sinners, identify with the lost, like Paul, the foremost of sinners. Brothers and sisters, are you listening? The heavenly banquet is open for all. He won it all for all by his own death. And in his death, he embraced every last and least loser in the world. But listen carefully. You only come into his kingdom as a loser, not a winner. As a lost sheep, a lost coin. And in the parable of the two lost sons, you know that as well. Jesus came to save real sinners, not pretend ones, of whom you and I are the foremost. No doubt you noticed that joy, then, is the ending of the parables in Luke 15. The shepherd rejoices over finding the lost sheep. He gives it a free ride on his shoulders. And when he gets home, he gets out the red solo cups and throws a party. The woman who found the lost coin calls her friends and neighbors and uncorks several bottles of Cabernet Sauvignon, like Penny and Bernadette and Amy Farrah Fowler, and throws a party to celebrate, which probably cost a heck of a lot more than the coin she found. The father, in the third parable that wasn't part of the text, but you know it and I have to mention it, the father who welcomes his wayward son back, he slaughters the fattened calf, he barbecues it on the grill, strikes up the band, and celebrates with great joy. God's joyous partying over his repenting and faithing or finding sinners like you and me, yeah, it's excessively over the top. But after all, the joy of Jesus over your salvation was exceptionally enormous. Jesus endured the cross and he scorned its shame. This is the joy of having you back in his arms. This is the joy of our Lord embracing you as a child of God the Father and as his brother and sister. Our Lord's Good Friday death gives Jesus the enormous joy of forgiving you and making you his own. This is a seeking love that is restless to find the lost. This love of Jesus for you leaves no rock unturned. His Good Friday love goes the extra mile and toils the extra day. It stops at nothing until you or me, the wayward sheep, is safely on his shoulders and the lost coin is deposited in the bank, and the lost sons are safe and secure in his home again. Brothers and sisters, it was our Lord's seeking love that brought you to the baptismal font in which he, pardon the language, but when you talk about sheep, you have to say, branded you, yes, with his divine and saving name. Your baptism then bears fruit daily in your life as the Lord repents, faiths and leads you in holy living so that you are given a place at his banquet table where angels and archangels 
rejoice over you being here. Yes, the angels in heaven rejoice over you, over me, over one sinner who tells the truth that he's lost and who hungers and thirsts for our Lord's righteousness. Oh, what joy! A lost sheep is found, a lost coin is recovered, a son returns. Sinners are forgiven for our Lord's sake. The dead are raised to life. And you and me, chief of sinners though we are, are the object of God's seeking and saving love in his son Jesus. You're going to hear it quite soon in the sacrament where Jesus does what? Receives who? Sinners, like you and me. And he says, my body and blood are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And there he feeds us with his salvational Good Friday body and blood. What incredible joy. It's the best news that a sinner could ever hear. In the name of Jesus.